Hello, hello and welcome to another episode of the Connected Adventist Podcast. My hope and my desire is that you are inspired as we look at how we are connected with the Holy Spirit, how we are connected within Adventism, but most importantly, how we are connected with the world. Hi everyone, and you get to enjoy a double drop week this week. Because uh, I wanted to record just a shorter episode um, to address a few points that I didn't touch on in my first episode with regards to um, modesty and dress reform. Uh, so there were a few things that I didn't add on to. But the reason why I didn't add on to it because I'm watching the time. I'm like, oh, I'm going over an hour again. So that's the second episode where I just talk for an hour. Um, I have a friend and whenever I needed to tell her something, she would ask me, going to be a thousand word story or a 3000 word story? Um, so I'd usually, I'd usually opt for the 3000, but when she asked that, I was usually like, okay, she clearly does not want the 3000. That's why she's asking me in advance. So I'd give her the thousand word story, but her story is always 200 words and under. They're probably actually a hundred words and under to be realistic, but yes, I, I'm, I think I've been given the gift of storytelling, so I, I go into a lot of detail and probably give more details that, than what people really care about, like what I'm doing right now. <laughs> so, um, yes, okay, so I did want to touch on a few things that I didn't touch on previous episode, um, and yeah, maybe just to give a bit more clarity, I do still believe in dress reform and in... Um, the value, I suppose, that is found in, yeah, modest dress. I do want people to understand that. Um, I don't want people to think that I, I personally am just going to not care about stuff like that. Uh, based on my past, and as you would have all heard, uh, coming from my very immodest um, past, I definitely feel that for my personal walk, um, modesty is still a very important part of, of my walk and um, I believe that there is sufficient biblical principles as well to encourage us as, as women of God uh, to dress in a way that is reflective of, of God's glory in a way that also reflects us as, as women, um, not as an object, not as something to just be purely stared at. Um, I do believe that, yeah, as, as women of God, uh, we definitely have more value to us than just what, what our appearance is. Um, so yes, I, I, I want to stress that I, I'm still a firm believer of uh, the, yeah, the benefits and I suppose the spiritual connection that comes with dress reform. Secondly, um, I do want to yeah, just clarify once more that yeah, this is how I have felt convicted in my personal walk. Um, and I do believe that everyone in their own journey will have different convictions placed on them and and they are to go with that. Uh, just roll with what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about, uh, regardless of whether that is, is something that, you know, um, your core group of friends is doing or regardless of whether that is something maybe that even your family believes in. If that is where God is guiding you, then yeah, Stand firm for, for where God is guiding you. Um, but just make sure that it is, it is a conviction. It is something that uh, you feel that the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart. And, and that might be for, for a number of reasons. Um, yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. So yeah, just just go with your conviction and just make sure that it is a conviction. Um, yeah, my co-host Charlie, uh, she came up with this great one-liner. She probably copied it from someone. No, um, she probably heard it somewhere and was like, "Yes, that is so cool." So it, there is a big difference between a god idea and a good idea, and um, she relates that that one-liner with um, an experience she had when she was homeschooling her daughters. So um, there are things that we think are a God idea, but they're just a good idea. And I think with dress reform, don't make a decision on dress reform because it sounds like a good idea um, unless you have that conviction that goes with it because that conviction is what's going to get you through um, when, yeah, people start questioning you. When people would question why I am working out in my... My genie pants, my scants, it was conviction that got me past that, where I, where I could stand for, for that and, and um, yeah, where I had that confidence that I did not care if, if I stood out or if I was weird or, um, yeah, even if I looked like a fool. Um, but, yeah, like I said, the reason why I started, yeah, questioning my dress reform, um, the biggest reason that pushed me over the line was... Um, yeah, is this is going to be effective for outreach. Uh, what impact will my dressing like this have on those who do not know uh, the Adventist message? And and even, I suppose, even more drastic is what impact will this have on people that don't know Christ? So yes, that that's the main thing. Uh, I also did want to bring up, which I forgot, I totally forgot to bring up in the other um, episode is that there is a verse, there is a Bible verse in Deuteronomy 22 verse 5, I think, I don't have my Bible on me at the moment, but uh, I'm pretty sure it's Deuteronomy 22 verse 5, and it says that it, it is an abomination unto the Lord for us to wear um, the clothes that um, belongs to a man, for a female to wear the clothes that belongs to a man, and for a man to wear the clothes that belongs to a woman. Um, I've heard many arguments for that. People say Jesus wore skirts. Um, I think, yeah, let us look into the cultural aspect of that as well. Um, clearly, Jesus was not wearing clothing that was of a woman. Um, yes, it was a skirt in what we would recognize today, or it was a dress. Um, but there was still a big difference between males' clothing and females' clothing. So, I think that principle we can go back to as well today. Um, and, yeah, I suppose with all the uh, transgender and gender fluidity and all that sort of stuff that's going on at the moment, um, I suppose that gives us a little bit of a deeper understanding of, of I suppose, the impact that clothing can have um, in a person's um, mental um, state of mind and also on their emotional state of mind. Uh, one of the biggest things that you find within uh, trans people that are transitioning into another gender is that the clothing is changed. Um, so, yeah, that's one of the biggest outward demonstrations, or um, one of the one of the first behaviors that they will uh, begin to partake of as they're trying to transition to the other gender. So, I do believe that there is some empowerment. Um, in clothing and yeah I suppose when it is used contrary to what God desires and it will have that impact on us um, yeah it's, it's just very clear the evidence seems seems quite clear on that 
so that's the other thing that I wanted to address. Another point, uh, which again is just for us to keep things in mind. Um, as a mother, it definitely made me think about where I was going with things. Just because uh, my daughters did not own a pair of pants, they never wore pants uh, in winter. This is going to sound really daggy, but please just keep in mind, I, I'm not a daggy person. Um, I am very fashion focused, so my kids will still look very good, even if we're doing this look. But um, yeah, I suppose I can be thankful for skinny leg jeans. So my daughters would always wear tights under their skirts, or I don't know what our American listeners would call it, but like leggings. So they would always wear leggings under their skirts. And apart from being a modesty thing, um, I think as mothers, we all know, our daughters take a long time to learn to sit with their legs closed and to cover themselves with their skirts. So with my girls, the tight wearing leggings underneath their skirts was mainly of just a, hey, I just, I don't want to be telling you every three minutes. Actually, I wish it was every three minutes, every three seconds, close your legs, cover your legs, pull your skirt down. So the leggings thing was a practicality, um, more so than the modesty thing. Um, but in winter, so my girls would wear skinny leg jeans and they would be different colors. So they would either be like a pale pink or a pale yellow or a pale blue, purple. Um, I do things in multiples and I do when it comes to clothing, we must coordinate with every color. So I, yeah, they had a big range of skinny leg jeans that were colored to coordinate with their skirts. Um, but before skinny leg jeans, you only had like a wide or a straight leg jean. And there was a friend that I had who her family are um, reform Seventh-day Adventists. So they are a breakaway from traditional um, Seventh-day Adventists, and they were very uh, conservative with um, with dress reform. So in winter, this particular friend of mine, so she had to wear the straight leg jeans and jeans, like denim-colored jeans, um, underneath her skirts in winter. And I remember her telling me, so she's she'd be oh, 35, 36 now, I remember her saying that she used to pray that God would make her a boy so that she didn't have to wear jeans under her skirt and just look just so out of place. Um, yeah, and and it definitely had a big psychological impact on her. And I suppose as parents, I would like us to be aware of that. Now, I'm sure not every child that has had to grow up with conservative and I will say committed, um, dress reform like that, have had that trauma from that, that they have prayed to be a boy so they don't have to wear pants underneath their skirts. I think that is definitely one of the extreme cases. It is the only case that I have heard of within my committed Adventist circle. So, um, but I do want to bring that up as well. Um, I do have another friend as well who, she, same sort of thing, her parents wouldn't let her wear pants. Um, and she basically said, as soon as she got married, she was like, I'm going to get myself a pair of jeans. So yeah, let's keep that in mind as parents to be very sensitive to that. Um, yeah, some of this stuff can have a, a really 
detrimental impact on our children and their walk and how they perceive certain things that we do within our faith. Um, so yeah, keep that one in mind. And I'm just trying to think what else I had to share. Okay, so the other thing I wanted to share as well, that there is um, there is more to modesty than just covering up skin. I know that I have had this argument presented to me before and I, I, I had nothing that I could rebuttal with it. That was definitely, I was just like, yeah, good point. Um, we can dress modest in the sense that we cover our skin up. But if the clothing is still skin tight, if I am wearing a dress, a maxi dress that is very tight, um, outlines my figure and all that sort of stuff, that isn't actually the whole idea of what modesty is about. Um, so yeah, apart from it being modest in the sense that we're not revealing too much skin, there also is another element of us not... Um, yeah, I suppose not accentuating our figure and not um, making it, you know, overly sensual or as some people would say, there's nothing left uh, to not um, see out of that person's figure because everything is just so tight. I just, I don't even need an imagination right now. I can see everything. Um, okay, so I'm coming that with a very, like, female perspective um, and... Yeah, again, like I said in my other episode, I do believe that there is an element where just the the, the males in our church um, have to be able to deal with that, work with that, um, and I suppose ask God to help them to not be tempted by things like that. But at the same time, um, let us be considerate as well of, of the temptations that men face. Um, and yeah, let, let us be conscious of that. Uh, when we yeah are dressing um, I think we would do it for anyone else if if I knew that I had a friend who um, had an addiction with I don't know pick something random um, with chocolate hey I would be very sensitive and be like let me not eat chocolate in front of you right now let me be considerate that this is something that is, is a temptation for you, that is something that is, you're struggling with. It's something that you're trying to cut out of your life because you know that, you know, you binge on chocolate. If, if that same application, I'm sorry, if the principle is the same, the application is the, di is the only difference, I think we can be, um, yeah, we can just be considerate of the fact that, hey, the reality is that, yeah, this, this particular way of dressing or this particular outfit can can be a stumbling block for someone else. So I think that's pretty much the only little points that I felt I needed to, yeah, just add to the modesty episode. Um, yeah, the other thing I suggest, and this is me now with a more balanced perspective on modesty as well, if you just uh, Google modest, modest dressed, modestly dressed women or, um, modest clothing. I actually thought there was some pretty good stuff in there. Um, you'll get a lot, a whole bunch of images, um, of girls dressed in what I find is, is relatively modest, uh, on many principles in terms of length of skirts, um, 
also on just the style that they dress in and yeah pretty much most of the stuff is not ultra ultra tight and it's not baggy like I'm Ellen White kind of baggy so yeah I, I feel that even if you just were to do a google search right now basically what comes up under modesty I, I feel is quite appropriate as well um, and I love that they actually look good um, so yeah there's another aspect of modesty that I did oh yeah let me talk about that in my extra 3,000 words. Um, the other thing that I, yeah, come up with modesty is that you don't comply with the fashions of the time. Now, I believe that that has been taken out of context purely because I think you can still dress in the fashions of today. I can go shopping right now. If I was to go to, you know, um, like just any department store, if I was to go, this is, this is all Australian brands, um, I mean, Australian stores. So if I was to go to Myers or David Jones or uh, maybe Country Road, Witchery, Seed, if I was to go to all of those places, you'd be surprised. I could actually dress very modestly from all of those stores and it's today's fashion. So the, the, the principle isn't that you can't go and buy clothing today. I know that I went to um, one um, particular family and um, I was talking with one one of the ladies there, the, um, the mother, and she was very, you, you're definitely your more extreme uh, committed dress reformer. And I remember her showing me um, a blouse and she was she was like, oh, but you know, this is still too fashionable. Okay, it was literally like at least 10 years old. There was nothing fashionable about it. However, it still seemed like a fairly modern style of blouse, of pattern, colors, all that sort of stuff. That's not what, that's not what the councils say. Uh, the council is do not compromise on modesty because that is the fashion of the time. So if I was to go to all those clothing stores and the trend at the moment was ultra tight, ultra short, let me not um, comply with that. Let me stand out and find clothing that is modest regardless of whether the trend at the moment is mini skirts or um, little hot pants um, that is what the council is saying so yeah let us not confuse that principle as well that we have to look like we're back from Ellen White's time and that our children can't wear anything that is older than you know less than 10 years old um, that's not what the council is either and um, yeah if, if we want to really embrace modesty and if we want to be an inspiration for other people to dress modest, we have to keep in mind that we can't be taking them back so that they look like they're from the 1800s. I'm sorry, it's just not going to work. Um, so let's make modesty trendy. Let's make modesty fashionable um, and something that, yeah, that women feel comfortable to wear and that, you know what, people don't even realize that you dressed modest. They just realize that you dress elegantly. You dress with style. You dress uh, in a way that, yeah, you just, you look good. Um, I get that all the time. And I'm not saying that in a prideful way. I'm not saying it in like a vain way. 
I'm just saying that people realize that I dress very nicely and I get complimented on it. Um, and no one knows that in my head, I'm actually dressing modest. Like that is my intention. That is my purpose. And everything that I have put together is to look modest. They don't see that. They just see that I dress well, that I look stylish. Um, and yeah, that, that is what dress reform should do, uh, to make modesty look attractive and appealing to people, um, and to stand out. All right. Well, I hope you enjoy that extra drop, uh, with a bit more extra information on that, um, modesty episode. Um, but again, like I said, I do recommend that you listen to a dress code, no pants, and also, um, confessions of a self-made Pharisee. There is a few extra bits that I add on to that I haven't touched on either of these episodes because I don't want to be repetitive. Uh, so I don't want to repeat my 3,000 words that I repeat um, that I, I've already said. So yeah, I, I do recommend that you do listen to those other two episodes as well. Um, all right, well, enjoy your week. And yeah, until next week, um, yeah, we'll, we'll be in touch. All right, so my prayer, my desire, and my hope is that you stay warm in God's love, that you stay cool and stylish and fashionable for Jesus' name and above all things, that you stay on fire with the Holy Spirit because he is the one that will change us. He is the one that will guide us. And he is the one that will just make changes in our lives to glorify his name. All right, see you.